Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Wednesday, May the 13th, as we continue to trudge along here as we wait and wonder what is going to happen with Major League Baseball. Uh, We have continued to kind of cover this newest proposal, the idea of the 82-game schedule, potentially, likely, hopefully in home stadiums, and the big issue of the money that we have talked about a lot. I wanted today to get into some of the more specifics about the uh, plan, the universal DH, the 82-game schedule, the uh, uh, facing-like divisions part of it, and, and kind of talk a little bit about how it affects the Phillies, but um, obviously, you have to to start with the, the the most recent update on the proposal and all that. Uh, ESPN um, putting out an article saying sources compensation not discussed in MLB's opening talks with players. Um, so the article says a multi-hour meeting between Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association on Tuesday was a first step in addressing the complex issues facing a restart for the sport amid the coronavirus pandemic. Though the discussion did not involve any economic components pertaining to player compensation, sources familiar with the meeting told ESPN. Items addressed include timing, logistics for a a second spring training, potential rule changes, roster sizes, and transaction rules. A good bulk of the meeting revolved around COVID-19 testing protocols, including contact tracing and response procedures in case of positive tests. Details for much of the health and safety concerns will be relayed to the association in the coming days. Also addressed were ballpark procedures moving forward, as well as health and safety issues away from the ballpark. Once the health concerns are addressed, many around the sport believe the biggest hurdle revolve around the economics in play, as we've discussed. The Players Association believes this is a settled debate, having agreed in late March to a prorated salary structure that would pay players for every game they play this season. The sides also agreed in March to discuss the economics of a season played without fans in the stands. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred has said that about 40% of MLB revenue is tied to the gate, including concessions, parking, ballpark, advertising, luxury suites, and programs. Uh, Fearful of those financial losses, owners approved a plan Monday that would pay players the percentage of their 2020 salary based on a 50-50 split between the owners and the players, as we've discussed from the regular season and the postseason revenue, the union Views the concept as a salary cap, as we've talked about, which it was said it will never agree to. Um, however, none of that came up on Tuesday. Negotiations between the sides could take up to two weeks. 
as they work through all the layers in order for baseball to start the season. All right, so we'll get to the specifics of the deal in a, in a second, or at least the baseball specifics from this article. Um, I do think it is important that they do and have are addressing the safety and health concerns of the players and everyone involved. That should be paramount. That should come before any other discussions about anything else because if that can't be done satisfactorily to everyone's um, level of content, so to speak, then everything else is a moot point. I mean, that is, the, the again, the, the number one important factor involved in this situation. Can you do it in a healthy and safe way where the people involved, particularly the players, the coaches, the people involved on putting the product on it, on display on a daily basis that all those people feel safe and and comfortable going to work every day and you know they're the ones taking the risk so i'm happy that that was one of the things addressed at the first meeting again i think that if you can't come to terms on that then then why even argue or discuss anything else and i do think they will come to terms on that it does seem like the money issue is the thing looming large over everything we'll get to that again in a second um, but I do think that, you know, the idea of hammering out all the other stuff and then getting the money makes sense. And again, I am happy. I think the number one most important thing is, as a lot of players have raised, Sean Doolittle has been very vocal about this on social media, that the health and the safety of the players is, is paramount. And again, that, that is the number one thing that has to be worried about in this situation. It's the number one thing that should be figured out before they get to the other other stuff. So quickly, before we get into the specifics of the plan, um, just again, because it, it's not going away and it seems like it's something where we are headed for a, a potentially uncomfortable situation, as Jeff Passan talked about in the article we detailed yesterday on Phillies Today. But um, just again, on a on a basic level, and, and you know where I come down on this, uh, in my opinion, I'm, I'm far more on the player's side than the owner's side. The idea that, first of all, that they, they came to an agreement in March and now the owners, and granted, the agreement did specify that if there are games with no fans, that they would readjust potentially, but um, it does seem somewhat a lack of good faith to, to go back on that deal that was agreed upon, but also even more so, it's just the idea that these players are the ones taking the risks, as we just talked about. They're the ones who are putting their bodies out there, putting their lives out there, putting their families at risk, all that type of stuff. I mean, they're the ones going out and doing it. And on a basic level, if you know owners have a particularly great year, if if there are more teams in contention and more fans go to stadiums and stadiums are packed all year, the players can't go back and say, "Hey, give us some of that extra money because you got extra money this year." It doesn't work that way. That's just not the way baseball works. Baseball does not have a salary cap. It has a luxury tax, which is a soft cap, is a different thing. So I understand the players not wanting to be kind of forced into this. And, and, and I'm actually, frankly, shocked at how many people have taken the owner's side in this. I mean, you're seeing a lot of people, and maybe it's the way the narrative has been shaped publicly, but you're seeing a lot of people come out and say, oh, these players get out there and play and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm, I'm floored by it. I figured you would see a lot of people coming out and saying, hey, owners, just pay these guys and get back on the field. Take a hit for a year. We're talking about a one-year hit, potentially. And a, a, a business that you make a lot of money in. And I understand the, the heart of, of the idea behind, hey, if we're not 
playing with fans and we lose all this money, then that shouldn't just be on us. I get that. But in this case, I think you just have to swallow it. I, I think you do. I think that that's – maybe they can find a way to – the players can concede on something else to make the owners happy. Like when they made that deal before, the idea of it was the players getting some of their salary while the owners uh, and the players, but the players conceding that they would uh, you know, not get the rest of their salary if baseball doesn't commence, but it would be a year of service time. There was a give and take. And you hope that they can find some kind of give and take in there because on a basic level, and forgetting the owners versus players thing, which again, I, I'm I'm surprised at how many people are on the owner's side here. Like, um, it, it surprises me, but uh, but again, I understand. Look, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's allowed to believe what they want to believe. I think what we can all agree on, what everyone agrees on, I would think, on a basic level, that this cannot be a public fight about money in the situation we're in in America. And I've said this before, but I, I think it's the most important point to come back to is that all this is doing is making everyone look bad. The owners and the players both look horrible. If you are fighting over millions and billions of dollars in the public sphere, in a country that has 30 million plus people have lost their job over the last month and a half, in a country with what, like 15% unemployment, I mean, we are, we are, we are in a, a depression or heading into a depression unlike we've seen in our lifetimes for most people. And there are lots of people out of work and there are lots of people struggling, not even to mention the people who are sick and the people who died. And there's so much sadness and so many issues facing the American people right now and really the people of the world. But but for the purposes of this discussion, the American people, the last thing any of us want to hear is the billionaires want the millionaires to give some of their money back. Or the millionaires don't want to play because they're not getting as good a deal as they should get. No one wants to hear any of it. And nor should they. It is a horrendous look. Now, I am hoping and praying that cooler heads will prevail behind doors. That they'll find a way to make everyone... Look, again, no one's going to be totally happy. This is a situation where no one is going to come out of it saying, yay, I get what I want. That's not the situation we're in. We all have to sacrifice a little bit for the greater good. That's what it is. This is a sacrifice for the greater good type of situation. Owners, you're going to make less money this year. I'm sorry. Players, you got to give a little too. Whatever it takes, this is something where bringing baseball back can be such a boon for this country on so many levels. For the general ethos, for the general level of of happiness of this country to see the sport come back on so many levels, the basic distraction, fun, uh, something to to give us to to hold on to and all that, but also just on a, a basic level of of humanity and getting back to what we do and showing that that we can still find ways to live life the way we want to live it. I mean, there are so many levels to this and so many reasons that this just has to get figured out. And I don't want to hear about arguments about money. And nobody wants to hear about arguments about money. Figure it out. Get baseball back. Everyone give a little. Greater good. Seriously, this is a greater good situation. I know baseball is a business. All these sports are businesses. And we love them and we laud them and we follow them. And it's, I made a life out of it. It's what I do, you know, for a living. 
But we all know that on a basic level, they are businesses and they are out to make money. We get it. We've seen it. This is one of those times where sports has to be more than that. They have to step back and say, all right, this year, this moment, it's not just about money. It's not just a business. This is bigger. We have the chance to be something more. And we can't be fighting about money. We have to take that chance. Okay. Uh, I'm sure we'll continue to talk about this tomorrow and the next day and for the next few weeks as we continue to, to wait and hope that cooler heads will prevail behind doors and they will figure out a way to play baseball for us this season because we need it desperately. So with that in mind, we'll, again, we'll continue to talk about it. Let's talk. Not delving into the real specifics of this um, this most recent and, and seemingly most likely return to action plan um, from a baseball perspective, from a Phillies perspective. Um, so really some the, the main things that stand out to me, the, the three things to dive into, um, are the 82-game schedule, the fact that you'll be playing your like divisions only, so ALEs versus NLEs for our purposes here in Philadelphia, and the Universal DH. Those, are, those seem to be the biggest structural changes to the sport, and then, of course, the expanded playoffs with uh, 14, going to 10 teams, 14 teams. Let's start with the 82-game schedule. Um, I think that an 82-game schedule helps any team that is not the best of the best. You know, I think that um, an 82-game, it's, um, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be different, and, and we'll maybe tomorrow or Friday we'll get into the discussion about the idea of, of what constitutes a championship. And how meaningful will someone who wins an 82-game sprint to the finish and then the playoffs? Is that, a, is that a real World Series title and all that? The legitimacy of all that? But for now, I think just on a basic level, as fans of baseball without baseball, 82 games sounds like a, a dream to me. You know, I, I'll take what I can get. And I think that there are some layers to it that are really fun. I do think that, again, and I think this is probably better for the Phillies than for the highest of high-end teams. I do think that, it, inc- it, it, it obviously adds variance to the whole situation. I mean, it is far more likely that a team can get hot to start the season, a 50-game hot stretch, and then all of a sudden you're playing for the playoffs. You're, you're, you're fighting the home stretch, you know? So I, I think that that's massive. Um, we will see some Cinderella-ish type of teams who get off to a hot start and are able to kind of propel their way through. Um, again And again, I do think it's good for the Phillies. I mean, the Phillies are not one of the – you know, 10 best teams in baseball. They're not. So if you're, you know, in that 10 to 15 range, which is where I would put the Phillies, um, I think it really helps those types of teams. You know, even even 15 to 20, the teams that, you know, over the course of 162 games and over the dog days of summer that they will ultimately get exposed, that they will not be able to, compete as long and as strong, so to speak. Look, we've seen it with the Phillies the last couple of years. I mean, the Phillies two years ago were in first place in August. And then, you know, obviously, as we know, just terrible collapses over the last part of the season. And even the year before, they were in first place for a while. So um, we've seen a Phillies team that can get off to an 80-game stretch where they play really good baseball and and don't implode. And, and I do think that, again, for teams, and it, look, it could go either way because it really comes down to getting off to a hot start or a cold start. A start has never mattered more in baseball history. Um, but 
when looking at the Phillies, you know, again, it, it comes down to whether they start or not, but I do think the situation in the A2 games does help them in the sense that they are a team that, that can take advantage of variance and can get off to a hot start and maybe build a little confidence and maybe compete in a way they probably couldn't have over a full 162-game season. So I think that's a positive. And just on a holistic level, I think, look, 82 games will be fun in the sense that every game is going to matter a lot more than it ever has. You know, it's kind of like we're going to be watching September baseball before we know it for all intents and purposes, literally and figuratively, I guess. Um, so I think that could be really fun. You know, it kind of adds a, a dimension, a layer to the game that we've never had in terms of a full season being every game matters more. You know, we've talked a lot about throwing games away or saying, all right, it's not my night. I'm going to bring in my eighth reliever to get him some work so I don't waste my other relievers and all that. Like, you'll still see that stuff because it's baseball and there are just days you have to say, all right, I'm going to save my arms. But I think we're going to see more aggressive managing, more aggressive playing, and, and really a, a, a potential for real intensity from the start. Now, granted, the injury issues, that's a whole separate. And we'll get, we'll get into all this stuff. We'll, we'll really break down the specifics and what it means like, because this could mean more injuries. There are other things, but just from a holistic Phillies level, I do think it helps them from a variance perspective. And I think it could be a lot of fun seeing the sprint to the finish. All right, the part that I like less for the Phillies is the playing-like divisions of it all. So essentially, under this proposal, the Phillies will only play teams in the AL East and in the NL East. Now, that is not great. Because when you look at the teams in the AL East and the NL East, it's pretty good. I mean, we've already talked about the NL East being maybe and certainly top to bottom the best, but maybe the best division in all of baseball, likely, and certainly um, the only one with four legit strong teams. You could argue the NL Central, but you know the four teams aren't quite as good as the four in the NL East. And then the AL East has legit teams, too. I mean, the Yankees and Rays are both playoff teams, and the Red Sox are, are still the Red Sox and still won 80-something games last year. It's not like they were terrible. Um, you know, getting the Blue Jays, getting the Orioles helps. The Blue Jays, Orioles, and Marlins, it's a tough draw for them as they have, you know, seven teams. But if you look like the Centrals, like facing the AL Central, like, yeah, the Indians and the Twins are, are good baseball teams and the White Sox are up and coming, but, man, the, the Tigers and the Royals are two of the five worst in baseball. And then the NL Central, you get the Pittsburgh Pirates and, and you know, like the teams like Cincinnati, Milwaukee, Chicago, like, they're solid, but they're not as good as the Braves. They're not as good as the Nationals. They're not as good as the Rays. They're not as good as the Yankees. I think this is a definitive loss for the Phillies. In fact, I would say of, of, of the three East, Central, West, and Grant, the West has some high-end teams with the Astros and the Dodgers in the same division. Um, I think there's no question that the East is the toughest. Uh, top to bottom. The Phillies get the toughest draw here. So from that perspective, um, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the way that shakes out, and I think it does – that specific thing impedes their playoff chances. I mean, that makes it tougher. It is going to be tough. This is not a cakewalk. This is going to be really tough playing just these teams. That's the key. It's not just competing with those teams for playoff spots. It's playing against those teams day in, day out. That's a big worry for me. You know, that's a big worry. I think you say the Yankees and the Braves are definitively better. The Rays and the Nats are probably better, definitively. Yeah, and... And then the Mets and the Red Sox are similar. And it's a tough break. You figure one of those three teams, the Mets, the Red Sox, and the Phillies, could maybe make the playoffs. The expanded playoffs helps. Let's talk about that. Going from 10, 14, 10 to 14 helps. That will be a big deal. Um, it creates more opportunity. Certainly in a shortened season, we might see some really interesting races. I think that could be a lot of fun. The idea that 
you know, there are going to be a lot of teams bunched closer together. There's less room to separate. We could have some really compelling races for the divisions and the wild card winners. So that helps. And again, I don't think the Phillies, it's not like I'm saying like this is a death knell to the Phillies' chances, but it is tough. It's a tough draw. Again, the Rays, the Yankees, and the Red Sox are all good teams. And the Yankees and Rays are, are two top 10 teams in baseball, as are the Nats and the Braves. And then the Mets are right around the Phillies. The Red Sox are right around the Phillies. All those teams kind of clumped together in terms of power ranking, so to speak. So it's not a great draw. It's not a great draw. Now, the expanded playoffs, I think, is a must this year, again, because of so much variance, because you need to give a few extra teams that opportunity to get in there. I'm sure they want the extra playoff revenue in a season where they're going to obviously be making less money. So I do think that is a big reason for the expansion. We had heard them talk about expanding the playoffs to begin with. I think it could be something that, one of those things that continues after this. Um, so uh, the expanded playoff teams will help the Phillies. I'm all for expanding the playoffs there. I think that'll be fun. I think this year in particular, you really need to. You have to expand the playoffs. It's just too many variables, too much variance that's going to be a part of the season, and giving a few extra playoff teams the opportunity to make it could you know, keep a team that, that is one of the best teams in baseball from potentially not making the playoffs or whatever based on a bad start or whatever. Um, now, to be fair, generally over 82 games, like the, the cream rises to the crop enough. Like if you look at samples of 80-game samples and stretches and whatnot, generally the best teams do do the best. So, um, But again, I, I think, you know, like I said, there's going to be some teams that are unexpected. There's going to be a team that gets hot and rides a wave for just long enough to be able to carry it in the postseason. I mean, that will happen. You can bank on it. Um, so I do think the expanded playoffs are important from that perspective and, and definitely help the Phillies, especially considering the – the tough, tough division they got. Um, the last thing that we mentioned, and again, we'll dive way more into all of this over the next few days and weeks and really dig deep on this whole um, plan to play. But the last thing we need to mention today, um, just in broad strokes talking about it, is is the universal DH. Um, now, I think that I understand they need to have the universal DH, especially with 40% potentially of games being interleague games is you're basically only playing the AL and the NL East. You got to play the AL East a bunch. So I get having the DH makes a lot of sense this year. And I've been a fan of the universal DH to begin with. So I'm not going to rip the choice. Uh, I do think, look, and this is situation. It is what it is. You know, you just deal with it. Um, it is obviously an incredibly, incredibly massive advantage for American league teams um, who go into the season planning and expecting for a DH and have their rosters built that way versus NL teams who, you know, now when you, there's, you came in uh, at any point, I mean, there's a freeze, obviously, a roster freeze. I mean, you can't even do anything about it, even if you wanted to, but um, a, a DH on the fly here right before the season starts, the, adding the DH to the National League is a massive disadvantage for National League teams across the board. For all 15 of them, boom, disadvantage. It is what it is. It is. It is a massive disadvantage from a roster. Look, it's not a, a be-all, end-all. I'm not saying that that means the National League team's not winning the World Series or whatever. That's not the case. Look, there's these teams, the Dodgers are so deep. They've got guys upon guys upon guys upon guys. It's never going to be an issue for a team like that. But it is a disadvantage because teams are not building their team based on that. Now, having said that, the Phillies in particular are actually – better equipped than just about any team in the National League for this situation. So that's actually pretty cool. Like, as far as it goes, I do think when you look at the NL East, the Phillies benefit from this the most by far. I mean, Alec Baum could start the season in the majors and play every day. Do you think about that? Alec Baum could play every day. He could just be their DH. I mean, the ability to put Hoskins in that spot if you need to. Jay Bruce. I mean, the Phillies 
have some depth, especially with McCutcheon being healthy to start the season. The DH is actually something that, again, it's a, a competitive disadvantage for the National League as a whole. But because of that and the way NL teams are stacked up, I actually think it's a competitive advantage for, for the Phillies versus the rest of the NL East. So while it sucks on the whole, uh, from a National League perspective, I actually think the Phillies are, are pretty well shaped up for it. You know, They have a roster that lends themselves to this, and if they're willing to just roll with Alec Baum, all of a sudden you get one of your best bats in the lineup you weren't even expecting to have. You were just worried about defense, this and that, and then you can rotate defensively, move some guys around. It gives you a lot of flexibility. But more than anything, the Phillies have a guy who can hit right now in the major leagues at a high level who didn't have a spot to play. And if they're willing to be a little aggressive with him, I think this DH thing could actually work out really, really well for the Phillies. All right, uh, we'll continue over the next two days just to continue to dive into this. We'll talk some more Phillies stuff in general, some Phillies news out there. Um, the Roy Holiday documentary, I want to get into that. That's coming up in a couple weeks. Um, and, and a lot more. Bryce Harper's comments about the Olympics. There's a lot of stuff that's been um, around that we need to talk about. We haven't gotten to, obviously, this. The plan to return to action is overtaken all of it, and rightfully so, but we'll, we'll continue to dive into all that and continue to break this down as we continue to get more news and continue to hope that the players and the owners can realize the stakes here and not fight about money in public and instead figure out a way to bring us the baseball that we so desperately want and need. All right, so uh, we'll continue tomorrow. Until then, thank you again. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.